Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stream Team Football Podcast, a podcast that truly ascends borders. Uh, We're just out here streaming football, you know? My name is Cal, and joining me is my classic co-host, Sean. How's it going? Yeah, so I guess it's it's been a while, guys. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, new year. That's why we'll just call this season two. New logo, new logo. Um. More oh, yeah. new setup. We got some crisp mics now. Won't be using my iPhone headphones that came with with my not even this current one, my old one. Exactly. So, so. hopefully, a much more improved podcast experience. Um, or it'll just or it'll just be similarly terrible, but it'll just sound more clear. Yeah, you know? just like <laughs> all the nonsense is coming through a little bit louder, oh, kind of. You are now listening to The Stream Team. I hope everyone had a good holidays. Uh, Sean and I actually got to link up for the first time in, I want to say, two years. We got to see each other for Christmas. Yeah. Um, that was really nice. Got to watch good Got to fun. watch some Boxing Day footy together. Yeah, that was a great time, honestly. We haven't done that in like, we hadn't done that like watch boxing day football together in four years i think the last time it was uh if i'm not mistaken you guys beat chelsea on an obafemi screamer right after we beat i want to say brighton yeah yeah no that sounds right yeah i I remember that that win it was a 2-0 win against chelsea on boxing day and obafemi scored an absolute wonder goal and i mean we both won so that tells me that like we need to be together when we watch football on Boxing Day because again this year we both won, and the pretty yeah. pretty good games too. Yeah, you guys had yeah, West Ham. Yeah, we, West Ham, who's kind of like a bogey team for um for us, um Southampton. We ended up winning three two, and that was I mean normally we don't come back once we've given up a lead, but we went up one zero, two one, and then three two. So it was a really exciting game. Right, and and we slapped Palace around and started to look, you know, a lot more confident and assured and, and generating a lot more, which was our big uh, criticism through a lot of the beginning of the year with Nuno, who was the manager, I believe, still last time we recorded. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he's fucking gone. And, like, I, I just want to say, that was a terrible fit, like, genuinely i think those first three games when he won manager of of the month i think that was the team basically playing almost as an fu to harry kane because kane that was like literally the second kane came back and part of it was kane came back was just atrocious for a while but uh i i think from that point until he got fired like both kane and the rest of the team just had no interest in playing for this guy which is unfortunate but I mean, you were seeing it in the performances, and and now we have one of the top managers in world football who, I mean, there's been some bumps, but I mean, we're technically undefeated in the Premier League since he's taken over. Some pretty convincing wins. He's got Eric Dyer looking like prime Maldini. He's got Ben Davies looking like a fantastic player. He's got Winks looking better. 
I mean, Ndombele seems to his his time seems to be done with us, and Ber- Steven Bergwijn as well, and maybe some others, Delhi. But uh, I don't know. Exciting times ahead. Like you can really see, there's 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 a visible difference from. I would say this is the biggest impact I've seen from a manager since we had Pochettino uh, having Conte. Like you can see, there's an organization. There's a there's a plan. There's an intensity. Um, yeah, the players look up for it. So I, I'm looking, I, I'm very uh, positive about that going forward. Uh, you guys as well have some changes going on? Yeah, no, I mean, I was just going to say before we slide on, like, it is really crazy how fast the Premier League changes and evolves. Like, so yeah. much, like, we haven't done a podcast in, I want to say, two, three months, and so much has changed. Like, there's a bunch of different managers like Man United is now has Ralph Rangnick in charge, who's known as like the, the grandfather of Geigen Press. Uh, but he's he's taken over United from Ole. I mean, you have Steven Gerrard back in the Premier League managing Aston Villa. Uh, Conte, I think, is it's nice to have him in the Premier League. He's a world class manager. He's one of the top top managers in the world. So um, that's good for Spurs. And yeah, like you say, like there's been changes on the south coast um my saints finally got a takeover uh it's been a long time coming i want to say our former owner gao Shang, uh a chinese owner not a bad guy he just invested at a bad time he <laughs> bought southampton when china was looking to invest in football abroad and then like they kind of put the kibosh on it right after he bought the club so basically he's been trying to sell us since he bought us and that has resulted in no investment whatsoever um so our club's been completely self-sustainable but now we have reached a takeover finally after like a year of entertaining they said some 20s or 30s of different interested parties um, which is interesting because this is all kept quiet the whole time until the end. Very professional in the way they went about it. But it is a sports investment firm called Sports Republic that is based in London. Um, it was founded by Rasmus Ankerson and Henrik Kraft, who are two Danish men. One of them, Rasmus Ankerson, had strong connections to Brentford and was a big part of their rise to the top. He also helped out in, I don't know how to say this. Do you know the top Danish club, Sean? Mittialand? Is that it? Oh. Mittialand, I'm going to take a guess. He he helped. Yeah, that one. I don't know how to pronounce Helped develop it, them a lot too. And he's he's developed a lot of, um, like he's founded like a grassroots talent scouting football app. And he's written books on talent discovery. So he's really big on pushing forward data and sports and finding talent and the good deals like we've seen Brentford's track record and they're known as the Moneyball club because that's the kind of data-driven strategies they were using so he's going to bring some of that to the club and kind of co-direct so I'm really really excited what he's going to do there and then Henrik Kraft is more of the uh, money side of things like he's an experienced investor and this is all backed by Dragon Solak who is a Serbian cable tv mongol billionaire who made his revenue from telecoms and he's basically just the money backing behind this. I don't know how much football wise he's going to get into, but you know, it's good for us. It, he was the one that was at the game. Yeah, the other yeah day? He was at the game. He was very happy. He got to see us. 
Yeah, he was like he, excited. He was, yeah, a fan <laughs> gave him a scarf and he was waving it around. Apparently, he gave that fan a tie, his tie after the game. So he seems like he was happy to be there. We got a big four-one win against Brentford, actually. Um, it, it is actually nice to see like your your money behind the club show up to a game. Like, like just as an example, like Levy gets all the shit for Spurs for for not buying the players or being cheap or whatever but like levy is a 10 percent financial owner of the club like joe lewis is the one sitting on his ass in the bahamas 90 percent of the time who has 90 percent of the money and i i can't remember the last time i saw him oh yeah game. so that that is a good oh look, yeah no i mean honestly, i think i think in the two years of gal being the 80 percent owner of our club because it's an 80 percent stake um that they just took over he came to one game ever i want to say and he was just never he was oh, never boy. present like he just he was hands off he I mean eh, it was just just didn't work out but yeah uh 80 percent stake and it's not going to be like one of those takeovers where you think of like i hate to use the career mode analogy again but just spending like millions on players like the man city style takeover the chelsea with abramovich or even what people are thinking newcastle is going to do just throwing money around but it's going to give us a little bit more money so that like say like armando brogia who's our chelsea loney six foot four pacey albanian striker with tons of promise he was somebody we would have never been able to hold on to before now we might have just a little bit extra capital to sign a player like that or find more of those young players and have a little bit more sway to buy them in the first place and then retain them. So really exciting times. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes from here, but I'm feeling a lot better because I have to say, I've been worried like the past two years that we were kind of teetering on eventual relegation with the way we were headed. Cause if you don't invest, like just look like at Burnley, right? Like they haven't invested. They're kind of doing worse and worse and worse. And this year they're going to really struggle to stay up. So it, it, it brings a lot of new optimism and um, I'm, I'm excited for this new era at Southampton FC. So that that's a big change that I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. As you should be. I mean, like she's seen like we spoke, even I think the last episode we spoke about, it's almost like a takeover is for a club in the position that Southampton's in is, is it good for the overall health of the game, maybe, given however 60 other clubs in England that didn't get taken over? But, like, from your perspective, like, you can compete now with the Newcastles. I mean, it's not going to be the same model as Newcastle, yeah, as you said. Yeah, I mean, but, the, um, the best part about that is, like, it kind of already fits our DNA. Like, it's we're already about being more clever and finding that next young star and developing them and then taking the profits and reinvesting and being very self-sustainable in that aspect. This is basically just going to be the same thing with a little bit more capital and a uh, bigger emphasis on data and technologies at the forefront, just like being a little bit more innovative and tricky with it. So same kind of thing. Nothing, nothing's going to change really just a little bit more freedom to invest right uh we were i mean again back to things changing uh we we were pretty off with some predictions too i mean granted you were you were more level-headed about it being the non-spurs fan and not having any um <laughs> personal biases uh i guess clouding our judgment but uh 
Arsenal has turned it around majorly since the beginning of the year. They're they're looking like a a challenger for the top mm-hmm. four. Um, Chelsea, not quite a title contender. I think I believe uh, you thought uh, they'd be up there with City, and then I said United would be. And look at how that's turned out. Oh my goodness. Um, I and I genuinely feel like okay. Well, there's the issue of getting Ole out first. Like they had a terrible coach in place. I, I don't think he had much of a plan. But um, just like Ronaldo is horrible for that team right now, and that sounds so strange to say. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe one of the greatest players to ever play. When it's all said said and done, is what we'll consider him. Just genuinely dragging that team down, though. Yeah. Like, Cavani's having to come and play, like, Harry Kane role, essentially. Like, drop deeper and deeper and deeper. You're seeing a complete lack of production in Rashford and Fernandes and, and various other... For, uh, Greenwood... Um, there's no room to even play a guy like Lingard who you specifically didn't sell to West Ham because you thought at the time you had a use for him. Uh, can I make um, a mention of free my man, Donny van de Beek too? Yeah. Donny van de Beek who like, why did you buy him in the first place? Like I, anyway, I, I think we've even discussed that before, but I, I do genuinely feel like, okay, sure, he's still United's top scorer and he scores a bunch in the Champions League, but when in games that matter in the Premier League, as far as I'm concerned, Cristiano Ronaldo should not be starting for Manchester United at this point in his career. Yeah, uh, the Ronaldo signing was a weird one for me. Like, I wasn't super hype on it from the beginning. I mean, not a Ronaldo hater, but it's just like it's all the hype and PR without like the actual – results for man united like it was a sentimental signing it was a marketing signing Mm -hmm. it was an opportunistic signing but it was not a smart signing i mean if you just like he's he's still an incredible finisher like top top finisher um very Mm -hmm. technically skilled but he's what he's like 30 he's in his pushing his late 30s now i know he's in incredible athletic shape but you know he's just not doing that work off the ball and when you bring him in, your whole plan all of a sudden revolves around him. So any direction that United had before with trying to get the youth involved and play a certain style, it's now just you have to cater to the man up top, and that's just the consequence of him. He's a great player, but you know he's he's dipping, and he doesn't give you a lot of flexibility on the pitch, I guess. And his, I don't know, especially I wonder with ring Nick and trying to press like is his off the ball work going to be enough to suit that system like I, I don't know I'm not so sure like and, and him in a four triple two not being the focal point up in the middle I don't know if that's a great fit like well did you and did you see how Wolves just completely dismantled that four triple two just by playing wide yeah, yeah no the the four triple two is an interesting one it's like a it's one that when it works it works really well but it's also like if you expose it and you counter it properly, it can look really bad. Um, I've learned from <laughs> a couple seasons of watching <laughs> Ralph Hassenhutl's 4 triple two at Southampton, in which sometimes we're competing with Man City like no other clubs in the same area as us could do, and other times we are stubbornly conceding about nine more goals than we should be because we don't adapt <laughs> our play style. Um, 
that's not going to happen to Man United, but I just mean the four triple two is it's an interesting formation. And when you're playing that high press, uh, high risk up the pitch, high reward, um, stuff like that can go wrong and it can, it can bite you. What, what are some other surprises? So, Oh, the, the relegation battle or lack thereof. Like, I mean, I guess you do have four or five teams that are realistically in the picture, but like, don't you feel like genuine, like generally there's, like it'll go all the way up to even like 13, 14th place. And maybe this is just like in more recent years, but you would have like five or six teams that like given a bad run of form could have been the ones like 20 some odd games into the season. And now you have like Norwich goodbye, like one of the worst Premier League teams ever like bullied Gil- Billy Gilmore out of the club. Sorry, I shouldn't even laugh about that. It's not funny. Like the, the fans were actually so toxic. And I think he also got injured that, they just sent him back to Chelsea, something along those lines. Um, and it wasn't his fault that they're so fucking bad. Um, you got Newcastle, which, as we've spoken about, like I genuinely hope so much with all my heart that they are one of the teams to go down so that they have to start a new season with that owner or those owners in the championship. And then you take your pick of Leeds and Watford and Burnley, all of whom are, like, just atrocious looking this year. I mean, goodness, my our last game against Watford, Ranieri literally just sat up and, like, I don't even know if he was playing. I guess he was playing for a nil-nil. Like, it's like he didn't even want the players to be there that day. Like, I don't know if they left our their half the entire game. Yeah, it's interesting too with Watford. I feel like their strength is in their attack and they have creative, fun attacking players. So their their best chance for me of staying up is to play more expansive in nature and not be sitting back trying to defend with their not super great defense. They might have the worst defense in the Premier League. I don't know. Like I, they're definitely a contender for it. Well, how about how bad is their midfield? Yeah. Well, I mean, their top midfielder right now is I'm pretty sure this is when we did our predictions too. This is one of the ones we were actually spot on about so far. That it's a not a good look when Tottenham by no means have a strong midfield in people's eyes. Their fourth or fifth choice midfielder from last year is now your top midfielder yeah. at Watford. Yeah. That's that's a really bad It's look. bad and uh Watford to me I really see this the relegation as a four horse race where it's normally a six like you say like it's normally more interesting in that sense but uh to me I don't think leads are necessary like they've been bad this year but they've been struggling with injuries and the way they play they really can't afford to have that so if they continue to struggle yeah they they'll be in that conversation but for me it's I think for me it's up, especially with Rafinha sorry to interrupt especially yeah Rafinha uh deciding to stay at least a well yeah year. Sorry, what, what and, and Bamford even has been out, and as soon as he's back, that's a huge boost. They haven't been putting away chances. Um, shout out Joe Gelhart. He's he looks like a real promising player. He's been playing striker for them a little bit, but I just like Calvin Phillips, Patrick Bamford both being out. That's their that's two of their best players. Um, they've been their back line has been completely shattered all season. Like if they just get a couple of those players back, they'll be all right. And what I what I was getting at, I think was Norwich are down like there's they've played 20 games and they have 10 points they are down like there's no way that they stay up 
So you then have two of three teams that probably go down, and that's between Burnley, Newcastle, and Watford. Right, right. now, Watford has a slight edge on the three, but Burnley's three games back, I want to say, because of cancellations, which isn't helpful because that means they're going to have to cram them in and it's going to be harder down the road. But they do have that right. edge, I guess. Um, and then Newcastle, their edge would be, I mean, they've just gone and signed Kieran Trippier, who's, I mean, I don't know exactly how great he's going to pan out for them. He's old and he's coming towards the end of it. It might be like a final paycheck thing for him, but his talent is undoubted. He'll improve them. He gives them that set piece threat, which is important when you're trying to climb out of the bottom. And they've just signed an absolute legend podcast favorite, Chris Wood, the prince that was promised. For the absolute steal of 30 million. Yeah. I think it was 30 million euros. It was somewhere in the region of 20 mil pounds um and it's kind of a weird thing like it might have been like a release clause like i'm not sure exactly how this goes but just from it's like six times higher than his value or something like that like i was looking at it on transfer market and I was just hey like, but you know look look he's like the greatest player of all time in my eyes but like you know that's a that's an actual that's actually a really <laughs> interesting transfer to me because it's like it's burnley and newcastle who are right next to each other in the relegation zone he's their top striking option for the past few seasons at Burnley. I know Maxwell Cornet is coming and do an absolute job for him this season, but that like, is that like a, I think that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's a tax of you might send us down. Well, yeah. Move. And absolutely. Newcastle's like, okay, we've got Kieran Trippier. He can whip a ball. And now let's just get the meatiest forehead possible to connect with. And they can just yeah. punt, put some balls in the back of the net that way. Like, good for Newcastle. They have Alan St. Maximian on one flank and Kieran Trippier on the other, just whipping balls at big magnet brain Chris Wood, who's just going to absolutely pummel it into the back of the net. But at the on the other hand, Chris Wood wins gold. On, on the other <laughs> hand, you've taken away Chris Wood from Burnley, who are in that relegation zone too, and that's one less option for them. So I'm really interested to see how they respond, and if they don't go and sign like a big player with that money, like. I'm scared for Burnley, and they are probably going to be going down with Norwich. And I don't know. I almost think that Watford's going to slide into it, like fall down, and then either Burnley or Newcastle is going to fight their way out. But I'm not sure which one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I honestly, I would say that Newcastle probably stays up as much as I don't want them to. Like, they've already, I guess now's a good time to get into January business. Uh, they've already, as you said, they've done a fair bit, and it looks like they'll probably continue to, I mean, why would they not? Uh, they have no reason to stop spending this January. Um, and I think that probably, as you said, like, even, even just, like, you could assume Trippier to Chris Wood could even be like three goals over the course of the remainder of the season that could win you anywhere between like two to six points and that could keep you up. And even that right there might be enough, I think, in this relegation battle because of how poor the teams are. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think Newcastle will probably stay up because of that. Um, but... I, I think you'll probably see a fair amount of movement in this transfer window. I mean, uh, Aston Villa is doing work so far, bringing in Coutinho and Luca Dean. 
Um, interesting that Everton let him go. I think it was his decision that he wanted. To yeah, be, I could at least it's I could touch I on that. Um, gathered from the Everton friend fans. of the friend of the go pod, ahead. Jack. Shout out Jack. He's an Everton fan that I talk to about uh, footy a lot, and it's from what it sounds like is it's clear it's a falling out between Rafa and Luca Dean wherein I think Rafa Benitez is a really traditionally minded with his fullbacks and he likes them to be really defensively rigid and sound which as great of a player as Luca Dean is he is not uh the best defender or the most disciplined defender he likes to be flying up the flank and getting balls into the box and he has a great delivery and he's very good going forward so I think that restriction caused some frustration with him because he's best when he's going forward it's just that simple so he it was just a severed relationship from there and Rafa didn't want him anymore he didn't want to be there anymore playing Rafa's way but um it's interesting for in two areas to me the Luca Dean transfer um Aston Villa it's like they have a lot of ambition with their transfers right now and when you look at where they're at in the table it's not really lining up with their transfers so could they maybe make a second half of the season push up the table I don't know um not with their current center back situation. Ezri Kansa is a, is a nice little player. I was going to say. Tyrone Mings is crap. Yeah, but I. Like, I'm sorry. He's not. He shouldn't be in the England squad. He is He is hard to watch. Yeah, I don't. I'm not huge on Tyrone Mings. I'm pretty high on Ezri Kansa. I think he's a good player. And um, I actually think Luca Dean's a significant upgrade on Matt Target. I mean, he was. Southampton's second choice left back when we sold him to Villa. I'm surprised he's been starting there for so long. I mean, the guy has great delivery with that left foot, but other than that, he's pretty lacking. Like, not a not an amazing defender one-on-one or in general off the ball. But um, they also right. went and signed Philippe Coutinho, which is interesting. He's coming back to the Prem. And linking with another former Liverpool man, Stevie G., be interesting to see how they, they use that because I mean they're still trying to replace the Grealish spark and Buendia is starting to come into it but um it'll be interesting to see how he combines with Coutinho now I think Buendia is more of like a like an eight than a ten though I, I guess he in the championship he seemed to add like a lot of goals to his game but uh I recall in his last Premier League season he played a lot more in like the eight hole than then uh like he'd be he'd be more in the trenches winning some of those 50-50s and stuff so i think he'll probably play a little bit further back i would think you would want to play both oh yeah for sure um but yeah that looks good for them moving forward uh interestingly i think you pointed out to me given the whole luca dean um situation that maybe that was somebody that Tottenham should have looked at and I do tend to agree although I do find this whole like all of a sudden um narrative around Emerson Royal very odd like early on in the season he was like a, a great signing for us according to most people even outside, like, the Tottenham circle. And now, all of a sudden, like, that one game against Watford where he couldn't get a good ball into the box against a team that had 11 guys in the box, and now he sucks. And it's kind of like, 
And every every little bit of criticism you hear about him is, well, on the ball, and it's not even necessarily on the ball, because his passing dribbling is, like, passable. He's not, like, he's not, I'm trying to think, he's not Marcelo, but, <laughs> um, but, like, it's, I don't want a fullback that can't cross the ball, and I'm thinking, like, you guys loved Kyle Walker. He's never been able to cross the ball. And, like, he's an England mainstay and one of the better right backs of the last, like, He's just a defensive right back, man. Like, what's wrong with that? I do think that we do need a another option, though. Like, um, another right wing back who's more offensive, which brings us to potential, in my opinion, one of the potential steal signings of the year. Maybe, like, maybe the last little, if you pull it off, because I think it's so low risk, is the man, the myth, the legend himself... Adama Traore from Wolves to Tottenham to play as a right wing back is the word for about 18 to 20 million pounds, which for a guy in the summer would have been about 45 to 50 is quite a bit of nice business in my eyes. Now, you know he has some questionable end product. Yeah. He maybe struggles to get a good ball in, which seems ironic given the situation, but I don't know. I, I've watched that guy play enough times to think, like, it's interesting because you'll see people question why he's been at Wolves his whole career and how he hasn't gotten a big move or, you know, question his end product at every point in his career. But you also get people that compare him to Ronaldo and Messi as far as, like, on his day, unplayability. Like, he really is completely untouchable given like the size and the speed that he possesses like he he can do things that only you know a handful of people on earth can do and i've seen him on some of those days and it's terrifying like it's really frightening to be an opposing fan i mean i was gonna say like even like you talk about end product like obviously we know that the end product isn't necessarily there for him but you can't doubt his impact like I don't know anyone who isn't terrified when they see my boy Adama getting lubed up on the sideline to come on in the 60th minute. Like if whenever I'm watching Southampton play Wolves or like, and I have stake in it, you know, any, any time I'm watching that and I see Adama Troy warming up and then getting the lube on his arms, getting all slippery and ready to come on and just run riot around the defense. I'm terrified. And you can't argue that or like, you can't deny the impact that he has just in terms of take ons and how the defense has to respond and like how scary it is to try to defend a man like that. Like he, at the very least is going to cause problems for defenders and open up your attack in that sense. Right. And you, you look at like a couple years back, I think he had a five goal, 14 assist season in the Premier league. And I believe 11 of those were to Raul Jimenez, which was a like one player to another record at the time. And he was showing signs, and he is still pretty young. I think he's only 25, still. Um, like, he was showing signs of good end product. I think maybe you put him with the best striker in the world, or in England at least, and see how that goes. Yeah, that could definitely help. And and if it doesn't work as a right wing back, then great. You have a very frightening option to put on at about 70 minutes or 60 minutes in a game where you need a spark off the bench. Yeah, for sure. 
what type of business do you see Southampton making in this January? Do you think they make Broya permanent, or do you think they try and get in another midfielder or another fullback? Or um, I think I don't know that we'll see a lot of action on our front. We do our business quietly, but if there's another Tino Livermento style deal, um, I know we've been looking at Fabio Carvalho, an attacking midfielder for Fulham, who's 19 years old. I want to say and. Uh, a 10 is the position we'd want to recruit if we were looking to recruit. Maybe goalkeeper. We've had goalie issues this year. Uh, Willie Caballero coming in as like a 40-year-old starting for us is case in point with that. So maybe we look at Sam Johnston, Dean Henderson on an extended loan. But the biggest thing I'd hope for and a lot of people are hoping for is securing Armando Broja on a permanent. He's been incredible and more than replaced Danny Ings in my opinion. So that would be what I could hope for from us. But yeah, probably pretty quiet overall. That'd be that'd be a nice little bit of business. I, I think trying to get hammer down Broya before Chelsea realize what they have though would be would be a nice yeah, thing. The, the issue is, I mean, it's possible to like not realize what you have right now because he's playing so well, and their other strikers are underperforming. So it's not going to be uh, necessarily easy or straightforward to pull off. If we do, it'll probably be them with first receival or first refusal or a buyback clause. Um, but, you know, that'd still be better than not having him. Right. Um, do you see Do you see any, like, big moves happening? I know Arsenal seem to be interested in Vlahovic, and a lot of teams are. I know we, we are, but it sounds like there's no way we can get that done in January, as it looks as of right now. We're looking at loans, and obligations to buy and and you know crafty deals levy deals guys like lingard adama in the final 12 uh months of their contract stuff like that um that's an interesting one because i think arsenal could really use a player like that however like it's interesting i keep seeing oh arsenal aren't deterred by the price which i believe would be around 60 million and this and that but Every single report I've seen about Vlahovic in Arsenal is that he has absolutely no desire to play for them. Like, from from his agent's mouth, literally. Like, doesn't want to play for Arsenal. I really don't. Yeah, Vlahovic is like the hottest property right now. And I don't know if he'll go this winter window just because of how much, how significant that transfer would be um, necessarily. Right. But. Other things I found interesting in Newcastle, I think, are still gunning for a solid center back. They've been linked hard with Sven Botman um, from the French League. He's a young, promising defender. I think he's uh, been pretty good. I, I've heard Lille don't really want to budge well, yeah, on yeah. that one. Though, yeah, the, uh, but like they, that's been one of the strong rumors. Probably not going to happen um, because, like you said, Lille. But then also Diego Carlos from Sevilla, they've been linked with pretty heavily. So it'd be interesting to see if they get a big center back in to sure things up there. Yeah, uh, they've been linked with Roden as well on loan. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if they come for Tongi and Mbele. I think that would actually be a really good move for them. Yeah. He's one of... It's actually... I, interestingly enough, I saw Alistair Gold talking about the whole situation on his podcast. Heard it, rather. And he was saying that the issue is, is that he's devalued himself to the point where none of the big clubs want him. But none of the small clubs can afford to pay his wages. 
because he's on 200k a week or something like that and you've got Levy who's not going to agree to pay more than 50% of his wages and I don't even think there's any buyers out there that want to pay him 100 a week as of right now but Newcastle. Yeah, I was just say one thing's so. for sure: New- Newcastle are not <laughs> done shopping this window. Uh, another one I thought was interesting that actually we talk about Burnley needing to do something after selling Wood. I've seen Burnley and Leeds linked with Seco Fofano from uh, Lons in France, the Ivorian center mid. He's been insane this season. I think that would be a huge signing if one of them could pull that one off. Be a good fit too. Uh, other than that, I don't know. Man United have been getting linked to a lot of stuff all over the place. They might look to make a move. Um, City, do you think they'll do anything? I kind of think no, they're they're pretty comfortable so. right now up there at the top. Like we talked about the relegation zone. Um, looking up the table, like it's looking more like a City are going to run away with the title, and the Champions League battle might be more interesting in the Europa League places. Yeah. I, I think that I it's funny, I was actually talking to my dad about this earlier. I think that the Champions League the team that finishes in fourth this year will be the team that wins on Sunday of us and Arsenal. Like, as of right now I mean, even if we lost that game, we would be five points behind them with two games at hand. So technically if we won both games at hand, we would still be ahead of them. But if we win, we would be one point ahead of them, I believe, with two games at hand still. And that and that put, would also put us in fourth. Well, you um, have to remember West Ham up there too. Yeah, I think West Ham are also around there, but they're also... I think we have a major advantage on everybody right now That in that we have roughly the same amount of points as everyone in that... Uh, area but have played at least two games less than all of the other ones yeah Um, to be specific west ham's played 21 and they are on 37 points and spurs are on 33 points with 18 played so three games back and four points back from west ham who's in fourth right now right right um oh right because they did play the other day yeah um I've been so like absorbed in like Spurs Cup games, I forgot that the rest of the Premier League's been playing. Uh, but um, I, I do think even though the team looks much improved and defensively under Conte, we look very, very solid. Still struggle to create a bit. Um, I think that Arsenal game will be the barometer because I think now under Conte, we're beating the teams we're supposed to beat. The Watfords and the we're not dropping dumb points. Um, but it's still going to be a question of can you show up for a game like Arsenal at home and not just sit back and wait to counter and like take the game to them and try and like win the game handily, essentially. Um, and that's why I do feel like whomever, I, I feel like Spurs and the two North London clubs are, are the strongest teams looking at that top four spot along with West Ham. I don't really think United as of right now, unless they do something drastic, you even have a shot. Yeah. Also, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet. I wonder if we should apologize to Arsenal. I think we were pretty critical of them early and stuff like the Ramsdale signing has turned out to be like a masterclass. That guy's been playing out of his mind for them. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, no, we did. We did address it. We did say that we were wrong. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> so, I'm not. I'm not. They wouldn't apologize for saying I Spurs are shit. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess going off of that, what do you think has been the best signing so far this season in the Premier League? I'm not sure what it, who I, I maybe Emmanuel Dennis, but it's kind of hard to say that because his team's been Dennis doo-doo. is a good shout though. Like he's been incredible for Watford, who haven't been very inspiring otherwise. Like he's sneakily having a very very good season so far. Um, mm-hmm. I like Connor Gallagher, personally. Uh, he's been phenomenal, absolutely influential for Crystal Palace. Like, their leading goal scorer, box to box, getting stuck in on the defense, creating goals, having clinical finishes. Like, I've been a big fan of that move for them. I think that's been pretty big for them this season. Yeah, uh, he's a good show. I think Armando Broy is a good show. Um, I'm trying to think um nobody at spurs nobody really in the top six like romero probably could have been in the conversation had he not gotten injured back when he was averaging like what was it like seven combined um interceptions and tackles a game Uh, at that point i would say the other ones that come to mind for me are maxwell cornet for burnley he randomly went from being a left back at leon to being a striker and a leading goal scorer for Burnley and scoring some pretty filthy goals. Uh, I think you said Armando Broja. I think Tino Livermento is better than him for us so far. Um, but definitely on that same vein, Aaron Ramsdale, as we touched on, I think would be a decent shout there. But yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this January for sure. It seems like it might be a busier January than normal. Yeah, I, I would say so. Not gotten off to that fast of a start, but, you know, people already making moves. I mean, Newcastle particularly has been pretty active already, and um, that always has ripples when one club is being active. Right, but it's also the club that we expected to be active, so I imagine they'll continue to do their thing. I was See, the funny thing is, is it's interesting how this transfer stuff changes, because a couple weeks ago I was hearing that Spurs would be very active given the Conte signing in January and then more recently it's and it's like we've done the song and dance before. More recently it was well, they'll be active but they'll be looking for deals in their final twelve months on the cheap, loan deals, blah blah blah. And then more recently you hear, well, money's a little bit tight right now. And then you even hear today, even from Alistair Gold, like talk of the players being worried about Conte walking out because of Lack of which at that point, like, I don't see, and I'm by no means a Levy out person, I don't see how you could save face after that. Yeah, (laughs) (sighs) that would be pretty tragic in terms of that. I think, um, another interesting thing is how AFCON's gonna affect some of these teams who are without their star players, particularly Liverpool, uh, without Salah and Mane. Pretty much take them out of the title race. Yeah, if there was any hope left, it's probably gone with missing those two guys. But, you know, AFCON has been pretty exciting so far. I'm a little bit disappointed that there's not great coverage of it in general. And it sounds like it's like that pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I I don't get any of the games. I wanted to watch uh, 
Papasar play for Senegal. Yeah, but I mean, haven't... it's even for me like we're experienced streamers. I mean, we are the stream team after all, and I still was struggling <laughs> to find even like a sketchy buffering illegal streamed of Afcon. Like there just isn't a lot of coverage in general. There's been right. a lot of critique on the punditry around it too, like pretty lazy uh pundit selection not a lot of coverage not a lot of knowledge on the actual game within africa not getting people who actually know what they're talking about and we're still getting these like brilliant clips of absolute like insane total football like crazy skills like funny refing incidents like it just it seems like a a great competition i'd love to watch more of it and i've been struggling to find it so i've been a little disappointed with that so far yeah not on the zone despite having to spend like 20 dollars a month right like you you you'd think we could get it on a streaming platform with how many we have to pay for these days but i don't know um sounds like I, I don't know much about the african teams in general like i know they have a lot of talent but when it comes to their national teams i don't know who's the best over there i would have to say You'd think Senegal and Morocco and Algeria would be particularly strong in that competition. Uh, yeah, I believe Senegal was the favorite. Right, because they have Edouard Mendy in net and Koulibaly in defense. Um, anybody big I'm missing? Yeah, Mane. Sadio Mane. I mean, that on paper sounds like it should wreck <laughs> the show, but it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and that those effects around the world of football. Uh, yeah. Uh, any bold predictions for the rest of the season? Chris Wood wins Golden Boot. I already had it. it <laughs> we just kind of snuck it in. We're doubling down on that stance. Chris Wood for Golden Boot. Kieran Kieran Trippier to make a late push for top assists. Because yeah. he's gonna just kick it into the box, and Chris Wood's gonna fucking snap it into the back of the net. Pretty much. And Newcastle are gonna pull off the great escape. Because they have the Messiah Chris Wood on their team. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Although, could you imagine if Newcastle went down and Burnley stayed up? That would be like, all the Burnley people just like ah. That would be you. incredible. <laughs> hey, we'll see. Um, any other thoughts before we close? Sounds like you have a lot. <laughs> Sounds like you have a lot from that. Uh, anyways, no, I, I was I was drowning it out to be to be theatrical. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. You're a trooper. Um, Spotify, yeah, you are. This is a little rusty. We're getting back into it, but hopefully, we can get some more consistent content coming out for you guys this year. Season two, baby. Uh, new and improved stream team. You can rate on Spotify now. So drop us five stars if you enjoyed. That'd be clutch. Um, Anyways, thank you. Cheers.